0: We're going to be in John three sixteen today, a very, very, probably the most popular passage of, I think, in all of the world. Um, everybody seems to know this verse, whether you were in church or not in church, whether you believe God, don't believe in God. Everybody knows this verse, and I think if there's any verse that really sums up the entire scriptures and what God really came for, is John 3:16. And so let's read it together. Uh, John 3:16 says, "For God, everybody say this. So loved. Come on, you got to say it with a little emphasis. So loved. So loved. You got to get the so. You got to get that out there, okay? So, I will right, we'll try it again. Ready? For God, So loved. <laughs> Good job. All right. So loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Can I tell you why I I love Jesus? I love Jesus because he loved me before I loved him. I love Jesus because he gave his life before I thought I needed it. I love Jesus because he so loves me that he gave himself up for me. You know anybody else that's done that for you? Anybody else that so loves you as much as Jesus loves you? He so loves you. If there's anything I pray today In the past couple of weeks, last week I did a message called "Cross Equals Love" and just really dove into this uh, this scripture a lot more. You can go back and listen to that on our podcast. But today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. We're celebrating his the death, the burial. And that he's alive again. And so today, I want to really help take you on a journey. Because I think as a pastor, my job really, more than anything, I feel like I'm more of a tour guide than anything. I'll be honest with you. I feel like I'm a tour guide. I feel like my job is to help you to go from step to, step to step to step to step. Because God's called us to follow Jesus. And how many you know you got? in order to follow somebody, you got to take some steps. you got to take some steps. And so I feel like as a pastor, my job is really just to help you wherever you are in the journey. If you're here today and you're doubting Christianity and you're not sure about this, welcome. If you're here today and you love Jesus passionately, welcome. Wherever you are in the journey of faith, my role is to help you take a step from where you are to take the next one. And I'm going to show you because I think that's what Jesus did for us in a scripture that I want to show you uh, that is found in. Let's see if we can put that up for me. There we go. 1 Peter 2.21 says this. This is the kind of life that you've been invited into. So all of us got an invitation to this life. It says, this is the kind of life that Christ lived. He suffered in everything that came his way. So you would know that it could be done and also know how to what? How to to do it? Say it again. So Jesus, his life, the, the way that he lived was not just a model for us. It was meant for us. So what Jesus models is meant for you and me. Whatever you read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see that Jesus did and what he spoke about is meant for you and I to live out. I believe, though, the same is with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Let me pose a question to you. Have you ever wondered why three days? Three days. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it was a span of three days. Have you ever wondered why it took three days? Now let, let's be honest, if I was Jesus, okay, first off, I wouldn't die for you. Um just let's go ahead and just get that out there. <laughs> so thank God I'm not Jesus. But if I was and I had the mandate of having to die for you, and I was the Son of God and I could do anything, after they would hang me on the cross and, and I kind of took my last breath and go, it is finished, and then, then I'd be like, Whoop! Hey, I'm back. <laughs> And then I'd take the cross and beat all of y'all with it. <laughs> that's what I would do. That would be like some Marvel movie. I'd come off of the cross, like Magneto or something. I'd come off the cross and then be like, I told you I'm back. Like that's, how, that's how I would do it. That, that's the way that I would do it. But Jesus didn't do it that way, even though that would have been really cool to read in the Bible if he would have done it that way. But he didn't. He didn't just come off the cross right after. He died. Like, really died. And was really taken off of that cross and was wrapped in linen clothes and then put into a real tomb with a real stone rolled over it to secure it. And he really did rise again on the third day. But why three days? Why not the moment he died come back? Why not at least the next day he come back? He waited three days. Here's why I think. Because I think every single day He was trying to teach us something, that every day, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, God was trying to communicate something to you and I about how much he loves us. And so let's talk about these three days, this step-by-step. Let's talk about Friday. Friday represents the day of pain. You want to write that down? The day of pain. Friday represents the day of pain. Now, many of you look really good on the outside. I mean, you got a coat. My wife is beautiful, by the way. You're beautiful, baby. just want to let you know. Um, yeah, y'all like that? Take some notes. Um, you you write that down on the side. <laughs> Compliment my wife. Okay, so we all look. We, you know, we, we come. We look good. We present ourselves at church. You know, kind of got your stuff together. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my parents always, my, my mom always dressed me and my brother up exactly the same. I wish I had the picture when I was like five years old, she dressed us in a white suit, white, white. I thought about busting it out today, but I thought, you know what? That'd be a little overboard. Okay. So I wouldn't be able to fit in that one. I'd have to get a new one, but she would always dress us similar together and I hated it. So I, that's what we do to our boys now. We dress them similar. If I had to do it, you got to suffer too. So but we all dress, you know, we, got, we like to dress up and kind of present ourselves in church and come, you know, looking good. But I think if we were to dive a little deeper, many of us on the inside are having days of pain. We're having hearts and souls of pain. We look good on the outside. How's it going? Oh, it's good. But really, when we get home, we really know what's going on. Really, there's some bigger things that are going on, and we're walking through some, some pain. Have you ever thought about this? Just kind of pondering on this this week. Why did God choose to come to the earth to pay for sins when capital punishment was at its worst? Think about this. Hey, yet again, if I'm Jesus and I'm paying for your sins, I'm coming right now. You know why? Lethal injection. Yeah. All right. I died. I'm back. Good. But Jesus chooses to come. Think about this. When the capital punishment was the worst physical pain you could ever endure, crucifixion. Why would he come when it was the worst? You know why? I believe Jesus went through the greatest day of pain so that he can walk with you through your greatest day of pain. I think so that way, when you have a bad day, when you face pain, that Jesus can go, I know how you feel. I know how you feel because I faced my own greatest day of pain. And as you're facing your greatest day of pain, we have a Jesus who is a suffering savior and he knows what it's like to go through pain. Come on. How many glad we have a savior who knows what it's like to go through pain? Everything we have faced, he has faced and he can sympathize with us. So Jesus faced three different types of pain on that Friday. Day one, Friday. Here's the first one. The first type of pain is physical pain. If you, how many of you have ever watched the, the Jesus movies where they've depicted Jesus' crucifixion or the Bible series that are on the History Channel or The Passion of the Christ? You know, you see these movies and you see how he was tormented and how he was flogged and how he was beaten and how they had the, the crown of thorns on his head and they had the whips that had the, the, the glass and the bones and the shredding of his flesh and, and, uh, and the, of course, ultimately the crucifixion, the bearing of the cross. I mean, all of that physical pain beyond... Anything that we can even imagine. And can I just tell you this, anything that you've seen on TV pales in comparison to what it actually was. And by the way, Jesus was naked. He, wasn't, he didn't have a loincloth on. It wasn't all, it, it was the most gruesome. The Bible says this, that Jesus was beaten so bad physically you couldn't even tell if he was a man. That's how bad he was. So Jesus understands what it's like To fight through physical pain. And for any of you that are in here, you know, we have many people. Yesterday, uh, uh, right before I'm about to preach our first Easter service last night, I'm getting texts from a number of people that are in our church that are getting rushed to the ER. One that has cancer that was getting rushed to the ER. One that had fallen and and gotten really hurt was getting rushed to the ER. And I'm just thinking, pain, 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 pain. So much physical pain in our world. Some of you are walking through pain right now. you pain in your own bodies. And how do you know when you've had pain long enough in your own bodies, it does something to your soul. It gets on the inside of you. It begins to hurt other areas of your life. And you just begin to lose hope because of all the pain that you're walking through. But here's the, here's the truth of it all. Is that Jesus faced the greatest day of pain physically so he could walk with, with you through your greatest day of pain And that's good news to know that we have a savior who understands what it's like to walk through pain. John Owen put it this way. In light of the cross, the greatest unkindness that you and I could do is to doubt his love for you. Think about that. In light of the cross, the greatest unkindness that you could do to God is to doubt how much he loves you. If anything, Friday, the day of pain, shouts loud, 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 you are so loved. He was able to go through the greatest pain possible. And Jesus was a human so he could feel our pain, but he was also God so he can heal our pain. So there is physical pain. Second one is emotional pain. Emotional pain. Look at this verse. In Matthew chapter 27, this is Jesus hanging on the cross, and Jesus says, from, now, uh, from noon to three, the whole earth was dark. And around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani,' which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Now think about this. Jesus, for all of his life had had a very close relationship with his father. When Jesus was going through the hardest times in his years of ministry, when he was drained, when he was exhausted, when he was tired, the Bible says that he would go up to the mountain and, and pray. What was he doing? He was connecting with his father yet again, going back to his father going, God, what do I do with these people? These are your people, your people. Deal with these people, God help me, give me strength. And he would regain the strength to go back into the crowds and to minister to all the people. Now think about this though. In the moments that Jesus needed his father the most, his father was not there. God the father had abandoned him in that moment, why? Because God the Father was holy. And while Jesus was on the earth, he was holy because he walked pure and spotless. He never sinned. But as soon as he got put onto that cross, he took on your sin, my sin, all of our sin as the substitute, as the sacrifice. And so a holy father could not look at his son anymore. He had to turn away because of the sin that was on him. And I want you to hear me on this listen to it very clear, very closely jesus was abandoned so you and i never will have to be jesus was forsaken by his father so that you and i will never be forsaken by the father jesus took that punishment he walked through emotional turmoil and with his father being abandoned because of our sin now how many of you how many of you remember growing up i remember growing up whenever i was a kid You know, and after church, our family would go eat, you know, out at a restaurant, and you know, we would invite other couples, other families to join us, and so we're sitting around, you know, you got the kid's side of the table, and you got all the adults on the other side of the table, and I remember many times, you know, me and my brother, we'd be fighting, we'd be doing something stupid, and my dad would look at me, and it would be the look. Y'all know that look? Like your mom and dad ever giving you that look? Yeah, like you look across the table, and your dad looks at you, and that look says, I'm beating you when we get home. You will die when we get home. Don't you embarrass me in front of... Anybody had that look? Any any parents given that look? (laughs) I'm going to beat you right now. I'm going to say anything. And so how many of you know, like, after that, I couldn't eat anymore. I'm on death row. I can't eat anymore. I'm done. I mean, I can't eat. I mean, everything is... I lost my appetite. And I'm trying to, like, communicate to the other family, like, you're sitting with a serial killer. He's going to kill me. Don't let him take me home. Can I go home with you? You know, (laughs) Because in the look, it communicates something. That look communicates something. Husbands, you've ever come home from a long day of work and you walk in and your wife gives you that look and you're like, you don't even have to say anything. Like, you know how her day was. She just looks at you and she's like. And you're like, I'll be outside. Come on, kids, let's go. (laughs) It's the look. There's a look. What if I could tell you how God looks at you. You know how his look is at you? Some of you think God's look at you is like, or God looks mad, or he looks like he's gonna throw down the judgment hammer. Can I tell you what God's view and his look at you is? God's always smiling at you. You know why? Because he abandoned his son so that he could always smile at you. He looked away from his son so his son could take on our sin so that when we put our faith in him, we would always see God's face. We could always have communion with God. We always know that God is looking down, loving you. He so loves you because of Jesus. Come on, can we give Jesus real quick a real thank you for that? Thank you, Jesus. You never, you never have to walk in a church and wonder if God's like, it's about time. You never have to worry about that. Because Jesus took all that. You never have to fail and then try to come crawling back to God thinking that God's mad at you because he's not. Because Jesus took all that. Jesus took your sin and my sin, your punishment and my punishment. Thank God for Jesus. So he's walked through emotional pain. Here's your third one. Relational pain. Think about this. Think about this. Judas betrayed him. His closest guys. Peter denies him. All of his other guys abandon him. His own family thought he was crazy. His own family thought, oh, well, i are not, not exactly sure who this guy is. I mean, none of them would ever even buy in. I mean, other than his own mother. But everybody else was like, oh, I'm not quite sure about this. Jesus' family had crazy family. Come on, how many of you in here have crazy family in yours? Okay, how many are sitting by the crazy? No, don't do that. Don't raise your, <laughs> don't raise your hand. Hey, which, by the way, I just want to let you know, if you don't know who the crazy person is in your family, it's you. You don't want. But Jesus understood what it's like to have relational pain. How I many of you know there's no greater pain in life, honestly, than relational pain? If your marriage is suffering, if your relationship with your kids are suffering, if your relationship with your parents is suffering, there's no greater pain you could walk through than the pain of relationships. Honestly, you could deal with physical pain if your relational pains were good, or relationships were good. You can walk through any kind of physical pain when that's good, but when those rela- come on, how many know if your relationship with your wife or your spouse or your relationship with the kids is good? Man, life seems to be going great, but when that's not good, it is rough. And Jesus walked through some of the greatest relational pain. Think about this, when he walked into Jerusalem, all the people in Jerusalem were waving palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, and days later they were saying, crucify him. Have you ever had people in your life that they say one thing to you and then a couple days, couple weeks, or a couple years later going, I I hate you. I don't wanna have anything to do with you. Jesus knows what it's like. He faced physical pain. Emotional pain, relational pain. And some of you are in the Fridays of life right now. You're facing pain in your life. Maybe because of decisions you've made. Maybe because of decisions of things people have done to you. But no matter what it is, Jesus knows what it's like. Jesus knows what it's like. And it's amazing what you can endure when you have a reason. Any mamas in here that have had, you know, babies? Well, if you're a mama, you'd have a baby. Um, let me self-correct that one. <laughs> um, but, if, but if you're a woman in here and you've had a baby, you understand that when, you, when you're pregnant and you're ready to just be done Come on, me. you know that like there's pain, there's, there's emotions, there's like, yeah, we know. We try to stay away from y'all during those times. Okay, it's it crazy. You know, just everything is going crazy. You're crying, you're laughing, you're screaming. I mean, it's just like emotions are all over the place. You're like, just get this out of me. You're able to walk through and endure some of the greatest pains, especially in those final moments when the baby is coming. You're able to push through some of the worst pain ever. And I'm not saying it because I've never experienced it and glad I don't. But you can walk through those pains because of the reason for the pain. What's on the other side of the pain? The joy of having and holding that baby. So you can endure through pain because you have hope for what's to come. Can I tell you right now, as Christians, you're going to walk through pain. You're going to walk through pain. You can... Loving Jesus doesn't mean you have a problem-free life. Loving Jesus means he's walking with you through that stuff in life and you have hope. So it hurts, but we hurt with hope because we know this isn't the end. Come on, can I get an amen on this one? The resurrection means this isn't the end. Praise God. Thank God this world is not the end. By the way, if you're a Christian, this is the worst it'll ever get. If you're not a Christian, this is the best it'll ever get. Because this is not our home. So one day we're going to, Go and be with Jesus, and there will be, by the way, no more pain, no more sickness, no more tears. Come on, God, come soon. This is the day that we long for. So some of us are in the Fridays of life. But I want to show you what kept Jesus going. What's the reason that he was able to push through the pain? And this is the reason in Hebrews twelve three For the, what's that word? Come on, say it out loud. For the joy set before him, he what? He endured the cross. Look, physical pain. He endured the cross. Scorning its shame. Emotional pain. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Relational pain. So that. Here's why Jesus walked through all that pain. So that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. So if you're in here and you're just tired and weary and you're losing heart and you're ready to give up, don't lose heart. Jesus rose again because you're his joy. You are his joy. That's why he went to the cross. You're his joy. You're his reason. So that's Friday. That's the day of pain. What's Saturday though? Saturday is the day of confusion. Well, let me, let me, let me backtrack. Let me, let me have you write this down. There is no pain that his purpose cannot redeem. Write that down. There is no pain... That his purpose cannot redeem. How many know you don't get an Easter Sunday without a Good Friday? No Easter without Sunday. You don't get resurrection without cross. And some of us want the resurrection, but you don't want to go through the cross. But you're going to go through the cross of life. But hey, baby, listen Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming. But it's not here yet. We got to go through Saturday. Saturday is the day of confusion. It's the day of confusion. It's the day of confusion. Jesus dies on Friday, but here's Saturday. He's sitting in a tomb. What's going on? And how many know the disciples aren't going around one more day to Easter? Oh, one more day to Easter? Oh, one more day. They ain't doing that. They're not doing that. They're scared, they're afraid. And the crazy part of all that is, is Jesus had told them multiple times while he was alive, hey guys, I'm gonna die in three days, I'm gonna come alive. Hey guys, I'm gonna die in three days, I'm gonna come alive. Hey guys, and they forgot. They weren't going around cheering and championing. Hey man, hey, fi- hey, Bartholomew, fire up the barbecue pit, man. Get that, get that roast going, man. It's going to be a good day tomorrow. Hey, listen, hey, listen, you know, Jose, hey, listen, you bring the tacos. Okay. Your name's Jose. You bring the tacos. Okay. You got the tacos. Peter, listen, I know, I know you screwed up, but Peter, you bring the pita. Okay. We got, we got all this stuff. Like that's not happening. They ain't getting the feast ready for a Sunday brunch. Cause Jesus going, they ain't doing that. They're, they're scared, they're running, they're, they're confused. And I think some of us are in the confusion of life ourselves. And I think, honestly, if there's probably any place where people get derailed from their faith the most, it's in this day. We walk through pain, and we know that life is hard, and we know that we got to go through all that stuff. You know, it just, it is what it is. But the hardship is, is whenever you're walking through that stuff and you're confused, And you've been loving God and serving God and life's not going your way. When you've been praying these prayers and praying these prayers and God's not answering them the way you think he should. And when you prayed for your family member to get healed and they die. And when you pray for your spouse to come to know the Lord and they don't, they run further from you and they want a divorce and all of this that's going down, you're like, God, I'm just trying to love you and nothing's going right. And there's confusion and heartache and you don't know what to do. When we don't know what to do and we're confused, let me give you four things that happen. Number one, we want answers. When we're confused, we want answers. Come on, how many of you know we want to know why? Why am I going through this? Why did I lose my job? Why did my spouse do this? Why are my kids like that? Why is this? Why did I get this cancer? Why did I? what? You want answers. I mean, no. I mean, when I get to heaven, can I be honest with you? When I get to heaven, there's certain people in heaven that were in the Bible that I want to go and sit down and have some Q&A time with. I want to ask them some questions, you know. I'm going to sit down with Adam and go, Adam, you've got a belly button? I need to see. Can you lift up that shirt? i got to see. Prove this for us. we got to know. I'm going to look at Noah. I'm going to tell Noah, listen, Noah, why didn't you just swat those two mosquitoes while you had the moment? I mean, like that. Louisiana would have loved you if you would have just... Right then and there. It would have been done. Come on, you know, we want some answers. All right. I want some answers. All right. Thought you needed a little comedic relief. Okay, so. But we want answers. Come on, let's, let's be honest. We want answers in life. How many you know, though, following Jesus, you don't always get the answers? You don't always get the answers. Often, most of the times, you don't get answers. When you don't get answers, though, this is what happens next. We begin to doubt. So you begin to say things like, man, I know God, man, I I know he's good, but I just don't know. I don't know about this situation. I don't know if he really is with me. I don't know if he really does love me. I mean, with all the stuff that I've done, you know, maybe God's not doing this because he's paying me back for all the stuff that I've done and I shouldn't have done all that stuff. And so, and you just begin to doubt that God loves you. You doubt that he's with you. You doubt that he's in control. You just, you begin to doubt. Hey, by the way, that's what these guys did. His 12 guys are with him for three years. They weren't championing and firing up the barbecue pit, getting ready for Sunday. They were doubting themselves like, "Uh uh-oh, this guy we gave our life to for the past three years is like in a tomb. And so there's doubt and confusion that happens. And then number three is we give up. We give up. We get to the end of our lives and end of our confusion and we just don't want to do it anymore. The last... Four out of five funerals that I have done have been suicides. How do you get to that point? You're not getting the answers that you want. You begin to doubt that God loves you, that people love you, that there's no answer, there's no help, and you give up. Say, I'm done with this. I'm done. And all of us, many of us, you, you may not know what that's like until you get to that place. And the truth is, what gets you to this place, I mean, because the disciples, think about this, the disciples went back to the thing that God had saved them from when Jesus got in the tomb. The disciples went back to fishing and back to doing the things that God had pulled them out of. And isn't that what happens with us when we get confused with God and our faith with God is kind of all over the map? Isn't that what we do with God? We go back to the thing that God saved us from. We go back to the thing that brought us comfort. We go back to the thing that brought us, so whether that was an addiction or whether that was a relationship or whether that was eating or whatever, Well, I mean, whatever it is, you fill in the void with something and you go back to the thing that God was trying to get you out of because you doubt that God is really there for you. I see it all the time. And the truth is, is what you end up doing is you go to the thing that you think that that will now satisfy you and it doesn't satisfy you like it used to. And now you're just miserable And you get to a place in this last one where you feel alone. You feel alone. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody knows. Here's the crazy thing. You can come into a church the size of ours with all these people in here and still be alone. You can be surrounded with people all in your life and still be alone. Because you're the only one who knows you. And you don't let anybody else in. So you're alone. And so you walk through your confusions and your doubts. And your fears alone. And I'm going to tell you right now, and there's moments in all of our lives where we've had these moments. You know, Lindsay and I, uh, you know, many people know this one because it's just a public story. Is When we got the story, the the diagnosis of our youngest son that got diagnosed with a terminal disease, a lung disease, four years ago. I mean, our world, it felt like a snow globe got Slipped upside down. I remember the ER doctor walking into our hospital room and going, "Your son has congestive heart failure." Your son is in congestive heart failure. We don't know what to do. And then he walks out. And Lindsay's crying. I'm crying. I don't know what else to do. Over the next 42 days, we'd be in three different hospitals with people giving us news that was we don't know if your son's going to make it after tonight. We don't know if your son's going to make it after this week. We don't know. We don't know how long we don't know what's going on. And I, I remember being in, in new Orleans children's hospital and my safe haven in those moments when I was so confused, I didn't know what to do. We're having to make decisions on his behalf with things that we don't know about. And I remember I would get into my car and I'd put on worship music Cause that's all I knew to do. So I'd sit in that car and I would cry. And I would tell God, God, I don't know why is this going on? Save my son, heal my son. And I would just cry before the Lord. And this worship music would play. And it would just like, it would refill me to be able to go back into the hospital again. And then the doctor would say something and it would be like, I'd be depleted. I'd go back to my car. And I'm gonna tell you for the past four years, We've faced some of the darkest days of our lives at different points. And can I tell you, I still run to that car to go put worship music on? Because worship can do things that words cannot. Come on, What do you say? What do you pray when you're so confused yourself? You don't. I think you've just got to get prostrate before the Lord. You've got to get before God and go, God, I don't know what to do, but I believe you're in control. And God, I need hope Because how many know when you're hurting and you have hope, you can go through anything though. If you just hold on to that anchored hope, man, everything can be shaken around you. But I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to tell you right now, if you want to know how to get out of your Saturdays of confusion, worship God. That's why we can come in here in this place and sing songs and lift our hands. It's not because our week was great. For some of us, it was a hell week. For some of us, it was the worst week ever. But we come into this place because God is good, even though my circumstances aren't. Amen? Amen. So I want you to write this down. Write this down. There is no confusion that his presence cannot calm. There is no confusion that his presence cannot calm. So we have the Friday of pain. We have the Saturday of confusion. How many of you glad, though, that Saturday doesn't last forever? Come on, Sunday's coming, and Sunday is the day of resurrection. Sunday is the day of resurrection. Easter changed everything. Changes everything. Think about this: all of Christianity hinges on this one day. I mean, Jesus says, "Hey, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Believe in me." But how many of you know? If he dies and he don't come back to life, it's nothing. But how many you know? When he comes back to life, everybody's like, "He's the man." He is the man. I mean, any of you, your grandmas come back to life? Anybody been in a funeral and be like, hello? No, exactly. So he is the man, which, by the way, Buddhism, Muslims, Hindu, all other gods. They all walked, they all talked, they all lived, but they are EDs. Our God is an S. He lives and he talks and he walks and he is alive again and he is alive today. All other gods are no more and our God is still alive. And so, so of course I'm going to worship him. He is, he is alive and ruling and reigning and so he is the risen one. And I want to share this verse with you and this is my prayer honestly if you hear anything today, this is my prayer. Look at this verse in Romans 8. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. <laughs> now watch this. You got to get this. Lives in Come on, everybody say me. Lives in me. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will. Let's get that for a moment. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. In the cross, God showed his love for us, but in the resurrection, God showed his power for us. And some of you are living so powerlessly, but you have all access to the power that raised Jesus. It is inside of you. God wants to bring to life every dead area of your life. Is your marriage dead? God wants to bring life to it. Is your relationships dead? God wants to bring life to it. Are you dead on the inside? Man, I just haven't felt anything for long. God wants to bring life to it. The resurrection of Jesus is that God comes. And listen to me. The resurrection of Jesus is so powerful, not because you get to uh, celebrate Easter, but you get to experience Easter. Today, that was, that was really good. I mean, you just missed it. <laughs> Hold on. Ah. Oh, I'm going to give you another shot here, okay? The re- you just, it just went, it just went right over everybody. The resurrection is so powerful because you and I don't just get to celebrate Easter. We get to experience Easter. Yeah. I'm teaching you. Okay. we This is it. Hey, listen. We didn't just come to celebrate a, a risen Savior. We came to celebrate my Savior, your Savior. He lives in me, He lives in you. You're not just celebrating some God, you're celebrating a God who lives in you. And if He doesn't live in you, by the time we're done today, He will. If you will do this. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever had these moments where you're trying to get your kids to do something, and so you're on repeat. Any parents in here, like you feel like you're always repeating the same thing over and over again. Hey, go to bed. It's time to go to bed. Hey, it's time to go to bed. Hey, it's time to go that's what I hear from Lindsay all the time. Hey, it's time to go to bed. Hey, why are you running around? It's time to go to bed. Are we going to bed? Anybody anybody in here? How about this one? Brush your teeth. You gonna brush your teeth? Hey, you brushing your teeth? Hey, did you brush your teeth? Happened yesterday, by the way, at our house. Did you brush your teeth? No, I didn't brush. Brush your teeth. Okay, all you gotta do. Okay, anytime us as parents are constantly communicating and repeating something, it's because we want our children to do something. All right, so anytime you see in Scripture a word that is constantly repeated, it's because Jesus is trying to get you to believe something and to see something. Watch this. So John 3, back in 15, going back to the verse we started out in this message, says this, So that everyone who, what's that word? Okay, I need you to help me here. You're going to preach with me, okay? So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Look at this next verse in 16. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world. He's not here to judge you, but to save the world through him. And there is no judgment against anyone who in him, but anyone who does not in him has already been judged for not In God's one and only Son. Listen to me closely. In three verses, God says the word believe or believing or believes five times. That the only way that you and I can have a relationship with God, the only way, is that if we believe. So, why in the world do we think that our relationship with God is because we go and take communion or because we got baptized? or because we go to the Catholic Church, or the Baptist Church, or our Savior's Church. Can I tell you, none of that matters. The only thing that gets you into heaven is to Save. That's it. That's it. Some of you are like, whoa, that's way too easy. Yeah, I know. I know. It's crazy. It's the grace of God. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. And can I tell you this? If you could earn your way into heaven... If you could go do enough good things and pray enough prayers and read enough scriptures and give enough money, then why would God the Father make his son pay the most gruesome death ever? How bad would it be for a father to make his son pay that type of penalty if you could work your way into heaven? You can't. And the great story of Easter, the good news of Easter, is that Jesus did it all. Jesus paid it all. And all you have to do is believe. That's it. Salvation is simply surrender. God, I've tried it my way. I've done it my way. And that hasn't worked. And if you want to see God breathe life into your life, into your marriage, into your family, into your relationships, it's going to come with you just believing that He can. Do you believe that he can? If you believe that he can, he will. But can I tell you something? Salvation is a gift. You have to receive it though. God is a gentleman. And this is what he does. And he stands at the door of our hearts and he says, can I come in? And if you don't open the door, He won't force himself in. But if you'll just believe that what Jesus did was enough and you just open that door, you can just open a crack. God says, okay. And he slips on in. And then he begins to do a work inside of us. Today, you don't have to leave here wondering where your relationship with God is. He so loves you. He sent his son to pay a gruesome death for you so that you would, in return, Surrender your life to him. Live for him. The resurrection is not meant to just be something we celebrate on one Sunday out of the year. And then we go back to our own lives. Do our own thing. And then, hey, I'll see you at church on Christmas. I call those people Christers. Christmas and Easter only. They're priesters. Hey, listen to me. <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. God has always desired to be in relationship with you every day of the week. He wants to be in your life every day. And you don't have to do it in church. I hope you find a church. If it's not this church, that's totally fine. But you get plugged in somewhere and get around some people that can help you in this life with Jesus. Would you bow your heads in this place? I want to pray over you. If you're in this room and maybe you're going through the Fridays of life, Maybe you're walking through pain. Maybe the Saturdays of life, you're walking through confusion. And you'd say, you know what, Pastor Josh, man, I don't, I, don't, I don't want to leave here the same. I realize I've tried to do everything my way, and it just has not worked. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to give my life over to the Lord. The Bible says that if we're going to be born again, it's not, it's not if we've done communion or baptism. It's none of those things. The Bible says, listen, if you will just surrender and just believe that what Christ did is enough you'll be saved so if you're in this place today and say you know what I don't want to walk out of the same I want want to know Jesus I want to know him personally if that's you nobody looking around this is just a moment between you and the Lord would you just slip your hands up and say Pastor Josh would you just pray for me come on can you just pray for me hands going up all over the place thank you 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 you can put your hands down thank you so much thank you so much Father I pray right now for each person you just repeat this after me and say, dear heavenly father, thank you for giving your son for me. Thank you for paying my debt. I owed it. You paid it. Today, I confess that you were Lord of my life. Come. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Give me a new start. From this day forward, I give my life to you. In Jesus' name.